It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 16th of April from Oklahoma City, where the Jazz lose game one to a brilliant Paul George. We'll break down the 11-3 attempts from Paul George and see if there's any common thread. Russell Westbrook. How did the Jazz do on him? And the shot clock timing of the Thunder. Were the Jazz able to slow him down at all? We'll look at that. Plus, offensively, where are the Jazz? And a look around the NBA. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. So glad to be with you for Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, bringing you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look behind the curtains. A lot of written content also available at LockedOnJazz.net. How are you? All right, so first things first, how awesome to be in the playoffs? No, truly, how awesome to be in the playoffs? That was great. Would have liked to win. Don't like the Thunder much. Want to get the wins. But that was awesome Uh, to be one of the teams playing on the first weekend of the playoffs and being relevant and having and that status uh, is is just a great tribute uh, to the players, the coaching staff, the front office of our organization uh, and loved every bit of that. Now let's dig into it. By the way, today's show brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. Inner cap lending and grip six belts. I have my grip six belt on. See, look. Oh, you can't look. It's a podcast. Uh, all right. Let's go through Paul George. 11 three attempts. Big picture. Here's the big picture story of the day to me uh, for the Jazz. I thought they played really well. They started brilliantly. I thought they handled the environment and the setting and everything about it just fine. Uh I thought their game plan, for for the most part, was executed fairly well. There were some areas where they, they couldn't have the impact they wanted to. And Paul George was electrifying. I ha- I will say this. I, I, I have not... Everyone's like, oh, it's going to be a seven-game series. And, and maybe that'll turn out to be true. I have not thought it would be a close series. And, and here is my thought on why. And we'll see... Uh, if this turns out to be true. There are two distinctive narratives in this series. One is this collective group playing a system with an elite-level defense, and the other is these all-star, brilliant athlete performers playing much more kind of isolation, one-on-one, non-systematic ball. They, They run almost nothing. And... Uh, who also are, you know, so talented athletically that they're great defensively. I mean, they're great, right? You're not going to play me. But but there's two narratives here. My My thought going into this is that one narrative is going to win out on the other. Uh, maybe it's going to turn out that one narrative wins one night and the other narrative wins the other night and it becomes the seven-game series that everyone is expecting. My general analysis has been that we're going to have one narrative just win out. That one narrative for the playoffs is true and the other's not. Uh, night one was certainly that the stars overwhelm 
And we'll see whether that one game does not make a series. So, I mean, if the Jazz win game two and then they win game three and four and they get the system going and and suddenly the, the narrative swings. So I'm not saying that I think this series is over. And I would also say that I also, if a road team wins a six-game series by winning all three home games in one road game, I don't actually think that's a particularly close series. So maybe that's a little bit what I'm, what I'm referring to. All right, so la- my, my thought is last night, at least, you know, the star was just great. Uh, and we'll walk through the rest of what the Jazz did. Uh, and, and there's some concerns, certainly, that maybe Oklahoma City can do some things that the Jazz just aren't capable of impacting. Uh, but right, the story last night was that I thought the Jazz played pretty well, did most of what they wanted to do, and Paul George was just brilliant. I walked through his 11 threes. They're interesting. Pick and roll early with Adams. Comes off the dribble to his left. Ingles goes under. He misses. He pick and roll with Adams. Rubio's guarding him on this one. He hits. Offensive rebound. Off an offensive run. Kick out to Westbrook. Westbrook penetrates over to him for a catch and shoot. He hits. He's a... Much better catch-and-shoot player than he is in off-the-bounce, so he's pretty darn good at both. Though, remember, coming in through All-Star break, he had the lowest shooting percentage on jumpers of any player in the league since All-Star break. He goes one-on-one with Joe Ingles, and he misses. He's two for four from three at this point. He gets a catch-and-shoot off a curl from Adams, guarded by O'Neal, and hits. It's a pretty tough play. He comes off a... The baseline, he runs off Adams, off tight on the ball, arrives at the perfect time, and he shoots it right on the spot. It's it's incredible. He's now three of five. He gets a switch on Gobert going one-on-one and is four for six when he hits that. Ingles gets taken out on a pick. He's wide open. He settles himself, fits his feet, reads Spalding, and fires and hits. He's now five of seven. Quick transition, catch and shoot. Mitchell might have given him a little too much space, but Westbrook deserves credit for pushing it ahead. Boom, he's now six for eight. There's really no common thread here. It's not like he's getting them all off the dribble on pick and rolls. It's not like he's all, right? I mean, on the pick and roll plays, he's one for two as of eight. The catch and shoots. He's two for two. One's off an offensive rebound. One's off a curl. One's on a or three for three. One's off a transition. They're not even similar how he's getting him. One on one plays. He's one for two where he just goes and tries to shake you. And then he has the wide open one on Eagles. There's no common thread here. He's just hot. Then he goes one on one left side on O'Neal, which was ridiculous. And he hits. He misses on a quick transition pull-up off a pick-and-roll, takes a dribble to his right in traffic and misses. And then he shakes O'Neal where O'Neal falls down on a pick-and-roll. It was just silly. He's in a different time. I I just see a great player that got hot. I don't see a defensive breakdown. We weren't letting him go one way. He wasn't getting it all in the same stuff. We didn't have a flaw. In, you just see a great player that got hot. There's no common thread from my analysis, those 11 pick-and-rolls at all. 
other than he goes 8 of 11 from 3. So in turn, the Thunder go 14 of 18 from 3. But frankly, the Thunder, the rest of the Thunder went 6 of 18 from 3. Anthony was 2 of 7. Corey Brewer, 1 of 1. Westbrook, 0 of 4. Abrina's 3 of 5. Then the Jazz started doubling Paul George because you had to do something. And and frankly, I didn't love it because it's not who we are. And it led to back-to-back Abrina's 3s. But I understand it. Like, I I believe in who we are. I believe in the systems and, and what Quinn's built and how they're playing. And and Paul George was better than those last night. And I, I actually am kind of glad that they tried that double teaming and this and that because it didn't work at all. And that's not who we are. We're not a blitz, pick-and-roll team, rotate out, get to the shooters. And to the Thunder's credit, that bench unit at that point really moved the ball well. The Thunder did not get caught in a great deal of isolation last night, to their credit. It didn't, you know, they're not a great isolation team, and what happens to them when they bog down is they get caught in isolation. And it and it didn't feel as though that happened to them last night. In fact, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, in the regular season, OKC per 100 possessions – ran 18 different uh, isolation plays per 100 possessions. The last night, let me see if I can, last night they ran, actually they says they ran more and they were good at them because I guess all these Paul George isolations count. So they ran 22 isos last night at 1.14 points per possession. In the regular season, they had 0.84 points per possession. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that it go that they go back to that number. I'm gonna buy I'm I'm gonna argue there's something like that's an unnaturally good night. When they're 0.3 points per isolation in their 22 isolations, it's a lot. I'm not sure I got a problem with them running 20. If they run 22 isolations, I think I'm happy. They just happened to hit on them. I thought the Jazz game plan on Westbrook was executed pretty darn well. He goes 0-4 from 3, is off the Browns 3, is a 29% shot. He hits 50% of his mid-range shots, which is here or there. That's about what he is. Uh, he's a 40% mid-range shooter, so if he'd missed one more or two more over time, it probably... And he goes four of eight in the restricted area, but most of them are fast breaks. Right? So his close shots are a, a running dunk in a fast break, a driving layup on a fast break early in the game. He tries... He gets another dunk with 535 left in the second. He And he gets a layup... In the third quarter, I have to go back and look at what it was. Otherwise, he's trying to drive into the basket late on Gobert, and when Gobert's on the floor, he he doesn't have a lot of success there. In that sense, exactly what the Jazz had kind of hoped to have happen, happened. They kept Westbrook off. He goes 10 of 25, and as Carmelo started well, but as the night went on, Carmelo became Carmelo. Now, overall, the Jazz defensive rating was a 115.8, which is a little daunting because that's terrible. And that leads you to kind of say to yourself, 
Well, that I mean, and that's because Oklahoma City, while the Jazz executed what they while the Jazz executed what they wanted to, were able to get what they wanted. Now, there's there's two things that worry me about Oklahoma City with the basketball of whether or not the Jazz are going to be able to handle this or not. One is the Jazz could not have the shot clock impact that they wanted to have. And I, I think this is probably the biggest thing to kind of... Oklahoma City still dictated tempo and pace of the game. So in the regular season between 18 and 22 on the shot clock, the Thunder used 18% of their possessions. Last night they were at 17. Between 15 to 18, they used 18% of their possessions. Last night they were at 19. So from 15 to 22 on the clock which is the early part of the shot clock when they're pushing, they use 36% of their possessions. That's exactly the rate that they used during the regular season. You know, our thought was you're going to keep them out of their primary shot clock time. More discouraging is that in the final seven seconds of the shot clock, where they're at their least efficient, during the regular season, they use 15% of their possessions Last night, they only used 10. They usually used 13. Last night, they used 8. That's a big difference. So that, to me, is the area where maybe I'm the most concerned. Is that the Jazz didn't have any impact on their shot clock, which means they may be playing with such force and such tenacity that we might not be able to do that. When Gobert was on the floor last night, Russell Westbrook took three shots in the restricted area. I just pulled this up. Two of them were fast break dunks. Okay? So one of his other 16 shots came in the restricted area. That means you're doing what you want to do. The other one that concerned me last night was the second chance points. The Jazz, if they allow 11 or more second chance points, actually lose at at a pretty high rate. John Schumann had this note. They're 19 and 22 now if they allow 11 or more second chance points. And Steven Adams is just a beast down there. And I don't know if the Jazz can combat that. So that to me, those are the issues that have me a little concerned. We'll talk about the Jazz offense and some things there as well. A thought or two on an adjustment that that Quinn and the crew could make. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Grip Six Belts. This is a really cool Utah company. You can buy them anywhere across the country. Uh, it's a belt company. I'm wearing it right now. And as I, as I look down on my carbon fiber black one, what's cool is there's, there's no holes, no loops. It fits perfectly. You slide it in and underneath the belt buckle, and then its patented system locks it in perfectly in place. They've launched a brand new website, and they've got a bunch of new looks that are just really cool. Some of them are, are great, like... They've got a camo one if you're a hunter and things of that nature. If you're a golfer, they have a bunch of colored things you can do. And the other neat thing is you can interchange the straps with the buckles. So you can buy one strap and buy six, seven buckles, and then you have a different look all the time. Uh, I love their Craftsman series that they they just launched. That's really, really cool as well. Grip6.com. Check it out. Really, really cool belts. And what I've been told from some of our listeners, if you're a bit heavier – they take away some of the other belt problems. Check it out. Promo code is locked. L-O-C-K-E-D. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. You get 20% off. Go to grip6.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Intercap Lending. This is who we did our uh, refi 
McNantz with and had a great experience, largely because Steve Carter is unbelievable. But Intercap is a 40-year mortgage company that's come to Utah and can help you out. Uh, one of the coolest things about Intercap is they're a direct issuer. What does that mean? That means that they can act a little differently. They can be hyper-responsive. They can embrace change. They can use technology and give you a better borrower experience. If you are a veteran, they have great uh, VA pricing. If you are a, a business owner and you're self-employed, you have a bunch of business assets, you have multiple properties that make it a little difficult to get loans, they can help you out with that because they don't have some of the additional requirements and they're a direct lender. So let them take a look at your loan if for any reason it's complicated. Uh, Steve Carter is the guy at 385-800-8528, 385-800-8528. And the really cool thing is if you Tell them you were locked on jazz and do your mortgage to them. They'll give you your appraisal for free. Intercap Lending, NMLS, number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. You can download the app and get pre-approved as well. They really make it easy for you, and they do great work. Intercap Lending, 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. All right, let's look at the jazz offense. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I've tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. So the Jazz did not have a good offensive day. 
that by the end of the night, the numbers look a little better than they actually were. Uh, by the end of the night, they shot 47%, 39% from three, and the offensive rating was a 108. But I think if you go look at it through three quarters, that's not how it was. Uh, and you've got to be a little, probably a little careful uh, looking at some of these numbers. What jumped out to me was how much Paul George was able to completely eliminate Joe Ingles. So... Joe Ingles last night, when guarded by Paul George, was one of five, was 0 for 2 with, from th- 0 for, 1 for 5 and 0 for 2 from 3. And the concerning thing for me is how vital Joe Ingles is as a ball handler and a player in our system. In fact, if you look at last night's game, the the Jazz got ran Ricky Rubio off 32 picks, Donovan Mitchell off 28, Dante Exum off of 16, and Joe Ingles off six picks with the ball handler last night. Six. Because Paul George just eliminated him. Now, off of Rubio pick and rolls, we were really quite good. 1.04 points. And off Donovan's, we were not .77. And Dante's, we were quite good at 1.42. But Joe Ingles is a major, major part of what the Jazz do. And the Jazz were unable to get him rolling. Same thing as they weren't able to get Derek Favors going. And the best pick and roll combination the Jazz have had all season long, is the Joe Ingles-Derek Favors pick-and-roll combination. Ingles and Favors are at .96 points per possession. The second-best combination we have most run is Ingles and Gobert at .94, followed by Rubio and Favors, Rubio and Gobert, then Donovan Mitchell is the least good at running the pick-and-roll of our guys. So, last night, by having Joe Ingles guarded by Paul George, the Jazz don't get that going at all. The only answer to that is in the 10 minutes in which Paul George sits, I wonder whether or not the Jazz could make an adjustment that Joe Ingles, and, and they might be able to do this because of the fact that the substitution pattern of Billy Donovan is pretty consistent. And so maybe the Jazz can do something in which they get Ingles separated from Paul George and for those 10 minutes of the night, let Ingles run the offense. Uh, the, The Jazz have a pretty good dribble handoff game. That didn't really get going that much either last night. Gobert, Rubio and Gobert ran eight. Favors and Mitchell ran three. Gobert and Mitchell ran two. Rubio and Mitchell ran two. Rubio and Mitchell, the other way around, ran two. Really wasn't there. Joe Ingles ran one handoff with Rubio, one handoff with with, uh, Dante. That's it for the night. Paul George was just so much better than anyone else on the floor last night. 
on both ends of the floor. So I think the Jazz have got to see if they can do something there. And, and the other thing is that with less than, when Ingles is suddenly not running the pick and roll, and Ingles didn't run the most pick and rolls on on the team. I, I don't know if I ever finalized the number. But I, you know, Rubio, I think, ran the most at around 1,700. Maybe these numbers aren't entirely. At some point in the season, this gives you an idea. Rubio ran about 1,700. Mitchell ran around 1,500. And Ingles ran around 1,200. But if on a given night, Rubio should run 17, Mitchell should run 15, and Ingles should run 12, we that that's not where we were last night. Right? I mean, that's that's really what we're getting to is if you're running a bunch of pick and rolls and combinations, that's not the that's not who we are. We didn't have that 17, 15, 12 variable last night. We had Rubio at 32, Mitchell at 28, and Ingles at 6. And that's, you know, that's blowing up, that's putting a burden on each of these guys and putting Rubio in a position where he's forced to score at a rate much higher than we'd expect. If those three guys were to distribute 66 pick and rolls as they did last night, during the season, approximately, it would be 25 for Rubio, he ran 32. 21 for Donovan, he ran 28. 18 for Ingles, he ran 6. And interestingly, of Rubio's pick and rolls, eight of them came with Donovan Mitchell. So even Rubio favors pick and roll game with Carmelo just didn't happen. Probably because Steven Adams is there, but that's the next offensive adjustment is how do you take advantage of Carmelo Anthony at a higher level? Rubio is so much the bellwether for the Jazz, he goes 5 of 18 shooting last night. He got his points, but 5 of 18 is not a efficiency level that can help you out. And, you know, some of it didn't look particularly natural, and some of that may be first game playoff jitters, and hopefully he's able to uh, solve that. On the other end, quite honestly, he has not played well against the Thunder over the years. And understandably so, he's guarding Russell Westbrook. But over the last 14 games against them, he's now, or 50, he was 3 and 11 coming in, shot 36% from the floor and 29% from three. In the last four games this year against them, he's now 13 of 40. So this is a, you know, every point guard deals with this. This is not something new. This is a particularly difficult matchup. But if we can get a half-decent shooting night out of Ricky, the Jazz become unbelievable. Now, 50% is really high. And Ricky did that 28 times this year. And the Jazz come came out pretty well in those games. I think they were about 16-9. and nine. If he has a tough night, it's awfully hard, you know, to pull, to pull it out. Five, five of 18 last night. You're below 30% in your shooting percentage. And particularly if you're taking 18 of them. And that's the most he's taken all year on a night in which he shot below 30%. But the Jazz, when he shoots 30%, struggle. Like, that's that's kind of intuitively obvious. Uh, I believe they're somewhere 
not they don't struggle quite as much as you'd think. Actually, I think they're nine and thirteen, but for a team that's over five hundred, that's that's something. So you know, I, I think you've got to find a way to free Ingles. And if I was an opposing coach, to Billy Donovan's credit, I I would take away Joe Ingles. That that's the to me, that's the aspect of our game that other teams can't handle. I, I'm you have a choice. I'm going to put Corey Brewer on Donovan. He's not going to have much of a chance. Or I'm going to have Paul George. And I'm going to put Paul George on Joe Ingles. When Joe Ingles wasn't guarded by Paul George last night, he had a nice night. But he went 0 for 2 and 1 for 5 when guarded by Paul George. The Jazz got their three-point looks late. Probably would like to up that up a little bit as the night goes on. But they got 28 of them. The number we were talking about is 30, so they're pretty darn close. The effective field goal percentage was 53. The offense was okay last night by the time the final box score, but that's a little bit because of the 36 points in the fourth quarter, skewing the numbers. If you go dig into that box score and run it, so it's, it's, you know, one parts one through three, periods one, one, two, and three, or one through three, I I think you'd see a little bit of a, um, of a different game. In fact, I could run that for you because I have the capability. So to back up what I'm saying is, you know, if you run this through three quarters, the Jazz are 7 of 20 from three and 43%. It's okay. It's not great. Rubio, 5 of 15 at that point. Crowder's 2 of 6. Favors, just 1 of 5. Couldn't get Favors going and couldn't take advantage of Carmelo uh, the way we wanted to. For written content on the jazz, you can go to lockedonjazz.net. For all of the original content of the on the uh, Locked On Podcast Network, you can go to lockedonsports.com. Today's show brought to you in part by Murdoch Chevy. I'm here with Tyson Murdoch of Murdoch Chevrolet and Logan and Woods Cross. They've got the cruise-a-thon going on this month, but I want to find out about this. Murdoch Chevy is 91 years old. Tyson, you look really good for 91. Well, thank you for the compliment, but I'm not 91. Murdoch Chevrolet is 91, and I'm here to tell you about a great deal that we have going on in April, David. What's going on with the cruise-a-thon? So right now, we've got a cruise for only $14,990. we have also got... Wait, wait a sec. What product do you use? Like, how is it that you look this good at 91? David, again, I'm not 91. What's most important here, though, is that the Equinox is $250 a month. That's the all-new redesigned Equinox, by the way. The Chevrolet Silverado is up to $13,000 off, and our cruise is selling for only $14,990. Okay, I know all about the Murdoch Cruise-a-thon. You get on-star service with every new vehicle, Sirius XM satellite, car washes for life, safety inspection for life, five-day exchange policy, Murdoch's famous price match guarantee. Do you, like, dye your hair? <laughs> Murdoch Chevrolet. Find new roads at Murdoch Chevrolet. Murdoch is your no-regrets dealer. Get started at MurdochChef.com. The NBA restart has its first big injury. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Orlando Magic forward Jonathan Isaac suffered a torn ACL in his left knee on Sunday. Listen to Locked On Magic for where Isaac and Orlando goes from here. To the ice. The qualifying series in the NHL are on, and the Minnesota Wild began with a 3-0 win over the Canucks. Joe Bully and Tony Abbott of Locked On Wild have a victory recap, and the Locked On NHL podcast has Western Conference playoff predictions. 
And finally, as college football conferences around the country try to figure out how they are going to restart, a group of Pac-12 players is demanding safety protocols and threatening to opt out of the season. I would point you to Locked On Big Ten podcast and a very interesting discussion on creative solutions to solve college football's mounting problems. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's quickly do an NBA 5 uh, from last night. Boy, that that uh, Boston-Milwaukee game was, was just totally awesome. That was late game blunder after late game blunder, but a great game. Indiana blasts the Cleveland Cavaliers. Rodney Hood got the start, lasted three minutes, got in foul trouble, came back, got 20 minutes underway. I'm good for Rodney. It's such a bad playoff last year. Hopefully he'll have a good playoff this year. Uh, Kyle Korver only played four minutes. They they better play Kyle Korver. And uh, Victor Oladipo had 32. I had a really well-known or well-recognized coach in the league told me, you know, probably middle of the year, if Indiana will win a first-round series. And then we played Cleveland. I asked him if he thought it was true. He said yes. James Harden was ridiculous last night. 44 points in a, what was a really good game. The Timberwolves stayed in that game and gave you an inkling that they might have a shot at some point. Derrick Rose gave them 24 minutes off the bench last night. A little bit surprising. We enjoyed watching that one over at this nice place called Jones Assembly. Uh, the night, bef- the day before, Philadelphia looked just brilliant. Ben Simmons was incredible. And then that Pelicans-Blazers uh, game was incre- amazing. They took Dane completely out. He ends up going 6-23, of 23, doubling him early, taking the ball out of his hands. Evan Turner missing shots. Mo Harkless being missed. Nikolai Mirotic playing some pretty good defense in that game. Pretty eye-opening. And then uh, Toronto finally gets a win, and the Warriors looked absolutely incredible. And the Spurs looked awful. The Kawhi Leonard story is truly one of the strangest stories we've ever heard in the NBA. A top-five player in the NBA that's simply just not playing for his team. It's unheard of. And and the question's got to be, why now? And now you've got Pop laying him out. So the animosity is just extreme amongst these teams, amongst these people. I just had a thought. I wonder if there's a way you go small with Joe Ingles at the four and Royce O'Neal at the three and you run the pick and roll with Joe Ingles that way. Oh. I don't know. All right, I'll leave you with that thought. That is our Locked On Jazz today. Hope you had a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.